Hello and welcome to this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO, and joining me today is my special guest, Michael Bland. Michael is a double HBCU graduate, having attended and graduated in undergraduate school from Hampton University and with his law degree from Howard University. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me, Mr. Brown. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. So uh, this should be a pretty interesting show. You're a double HBCU graduate, but I want to start kind of at your undergraduate level and understand how did you end up selecting uh, Hampton University as your uh, college? Because I know you had offers from uh, a number of other schools, including some including some Ivy League schools. Well, for me, it was kind of a no brainer. I had gone to Hampton the last uh, two summers of high school, uh, following my 11th grade year and 12th grade year, I was in the Howard Hughes program. Uh, but even backing up before that, um, you know, my brother and sister, they attended Xavier University in New Orleans. So that was kind of like my first experience with HBCU. So I, I knew I, I pretty much wanted to attend the HBCU uh, University, but um Hampton, after I attended those two summer sessions, I really just fell in love with the campus and uh, the people there and and just the area in general. So um, once I applied, I got a presidential scholarship to Hampton uh, early part of my senior year. Um, had a pretty decent football season, sent my film off, uh, went there for a visit, and uh, I was also offered an athletic scholarship. So. Uh, Hampton was, was pretty much a no-brainer because I, I knew I had uh, wanted to attend that university. So take me back to your freshman year uh, on campus. Uh, you are playing football and, and just really getting to experience uh, Hampton as a full-time student. What was that freshman year like? Uh, freshman year was very challenging, especially the first semester. Um, our program, football program, had just moved up to Division One a so we were still kind of uh, getting acclimated to that. The practice schedule, the meeting schedule was very rigorous. Um, 6 a.m. workouts, 8 o'clock meetings. Um, really was a full-time 40-hour-a-week job with the practices and meetings and everything. And just trying to balance that with uh, being a freshman on campus far away from home. So um, it was a big challenge, but uh, I was able to get past it. Uh, and second semester went a lot more uh, smooth for me. And then, you know, my, my subsequent years, it, it just kind of got easier from there. But freshman year, that, that was a challenge, kind of getting used to being a Division I uh, athlete and all those requirements. Right. Um, I think they've kind of tamped those down some with the hours uh, since that time. But um, just the freshman year, that, that was kind of a lot to, to embark on. So what are some of the uh, most memorable experiences you have from your time at Hampton? Um, I would say I, I had a group of friends that we all came in um, the last pre-college session. I was there for the summer. Um, most of the guys that, that I you know, ended up being friends with throughout Hampton uh, were there for pre-college. I'd say 80 to 90 percent of us. Um, and we, you know, football, of course, was de demanding. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of time, uh, you know, to socialize. But um, the times we did, um, you know, we did have. A number of uh, of events uh, uh, on campus, but uh, we we rented out a, a beach house. I think my senior year that was probably one of the most memorable events where we uh, senior week we had a beach house on Virginia Beach and just really had a good time, a great time out there. 
and those guys, we still kind of uh, visit with each other, with our families. Uh, we have uh, trips every so often. So, you know, really, it's, it's just like one of those old adages that the friends you make your freshman year, you know, kind of end up being your friends for life. Right, right. So who are some of the uh, professors or coaches or staff members uh, there at Hampton that were instrumental in your academic success? I'll probably say my, my position coach, Coach Parham. Um, I think he was very tough um, my first first year on all of us. Um, you know, I was a big baby coming in, 18 years old, and he kind of uh, toughened me up and, um, you know, really, you know, kind of matured me into the man I've become. Uh, by my senior year, he did a lot of things that kind of helped my, I guess, my academic and my, my, my football success um, in that he, he uh applied for different uh, um, awards and uh, accolades for me that um, basically gave me the opportunity to have a scholarship for law school. So I would say Coach uh, Parham was a big, big influence on my college tenure. So what was it it like playing uh, football at Hampton? Uh, I know you had, uh, you mentioned that it was like a full-time job, but if someone's uh, watching and they're considering going to Hampton and play to play football or sports, what was that experience like? It was great. I mean, we played in a lot of uh, a lot of classics, so it was a lot of traveling, which was tough on the academics and balancing uh, classwork and everything. But that was still, you know, very fun getting to go out and basically tour across the country. We played at the Meadowlands. We played at uh, RFK Stadium, the old RFK Stadium in DC. Um, St. Louis, we, we played there at their professional stadium. Atlanta, we played at the Georgia Dome freshman year. So all of those were great experiences. Uh, I think it really did a lot to kind of highlight the program co- across the country. So I really kind of credit uh, those years in the late 90s I was there to kind of give in Hampton that D1 exposure as far as HBCU. And um, from there, the, the program just continued to grow and thrive. So uh, talk to me about after graduating from Hampton, you decide that you want to go on and pursue uh, a law degree. Uh, tell me, how did you select Howard uh, to continue your educational journey? Well, back back up before that, um, you know, I did play five years. I, I was redshirted my freshman year at okay. Hampton. So I came back and played a fifth year. And um, really, I was coming back that year to see if I could uh, play on the next level with, with the uh, NFL. Yeah. And I did get an opportunity. I went to Baltimore, uh, made it through preseason, um, all the mini camps. At the same time, I was doing applications for law school, and I didn't do a lot as far as applications. Um, I think Syracuse and a couple other universities, Vanderbilt waitlisted me. So I actually went my first year to Syracuse, got up there, you know, the – just snowed from almost like October till March. And that just was a difficult climate, um, you know, of course, yeah. being from Mississippi. Right. So after that, I transferred to Howard and I was fortunate to be able to transfer to Howard my second year and third year. So I, I finished up there um, after uh, applying to transfer to, to Howard. And I was glad they accepted me. I love the school. I love uh, my fellow students and uh, the professors were great as well at Howard University. Were you uh, were there any differences uh, that you that stood out to you between, say, Syracuse and attending Howard and Hampton University? Uh, I, I could say definitely there was. Um, 
the thing that you don't expect, um, you know, going to HBCU is, you know, the pool, the candidate pool for students at HBCUs. Um, you're competing with other African-Americans to go to these universities. And it almost feels as though uh, the students are like plucked out of these different areas, like me being from Jackson. There were people from Los Angeles, Detroit, Chicago. So all across the country, you kind of get to meet people from different areas. And, you know, once you kind of get it up close and personal to them in the classroom, uh, you can kind of see the different skill sets and things that they bring to the table. So I, I feel like it was very diverse from that standpoint, um, as far as a large, large pool of, of African-American um, students on campus. Everybody had their strengths and their skill sets they brought to the table. Um, when I got to Syracuse, you know, there was a, a lot. It was diverse on paper. Um, there were, you know, of course, African-Americans. There were also uh, other minorities, uh, you know, from, from other countries that were black. So, um, you know, just kind of like a different experience um, when, when you're you're pulling from a bigger pool of, of African-American candidates. I, I feel like um, there was almost a higher level of um, skill set and talent in, in that pool. Right. I want to ask you about uh, graduating from law school and taking the bar exam. But before I do that, I want to just back up a little bit. Uh, what position did you play um, in football? I came in a defensive end. Um, I weighed probably about 230 pounds. Uh, there were some guys that, that were from D, D1A schools and uh, a couple from junior colleges that were upperclassmen. So uh, I worked real hard in the weight room, worked real hard on the field. Uh, they actually changed me to tight end in the spring of my, my freshman year, my redshirt freshman year, just to try to get me on the field. Um, that didn't work out. And um, eventually the next year they moved me down to defensive tackle. I was able to, you know, put on some weight. Uh, some of it I still got, a lot of it I still got now. But um, I was able to kind of move on the interior defensive line. And that ended up being a good fit for me because uh, I, had, I still had the quickness from playing on the outside. And, um, you know, of course, picked up some strength and power and was able to kind of, you know, have a, a dominating career on the interior uh, defensive line in Hampton. So, and, and the reason I wanted to go back to that conversation is because you, you, you said something that uh, stood out to me, and it seems that you were running a dual track. In other words, you, you had um, the goal to make it to the NFL, but at the same time, you put some things in place so that if that didn't work out, you would be able to go and transition back to education to pursue a professional career in, in whatever you endeavor to do. Um, and I wanted to, wanted to just ask you uh, how important you think that was uh, that you had that dual uh, track in place when things did not work out with the uh, with the Ravens. I think it was very important. Uh, and actually, I would say that uh, law school was probably a goal of mine before, you know, going to the NFL. Uh, I didn't, you know, I felt it coming out of high school, getting a scholarship to play D1. Um, play for a major university. Um, that was a big achievement and something that, that I had as a goal. I didn't necessarily uh, have a goal of, of playing in the NFL right out of high school. Um, but as I continued to improve and get better at Hampton, that became more realistic. So, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things to where the last part of my career at Hampton, I kind of focused in on football um, a lot more 
uh, my grades continued to, to do well. So I still had that option of, of going to law school, but it, it was more so the latter part of my, my career where I saw myself really have an opportunity to make it to the next level and I saw myself there. So that, that's kind of one of the things I, I have to be able to visually see myself, you know, in the situation and thriving. And once I did that, you know, I just kind of took things to another level yeah. with football, but I still had um, the academics that I, I maintained to be able to position myself to go to law school. Gotcha. So uh, I want to talk about after you graduated from law school, uh, you take the bar exam. Do you remember the day that you actually got your results back uh, from the bar exam? I do. I was very proud, um, very relieved to have passed the bar exam because, uh, you know, graduating from law school was a challenge in, in, a, in and of itself. But, uh, you know, getting that uh, bar admission letter, um, you know, that really was kind of like a fulfillment of, uh, you know, all the hopes and dreams I had since childhood of becoming an attorney. Um, you know, as life happens, as I matriculated through law school, um, I kind of didn't necessarily see myself uh, practicing um, law for, for the long side of my career. Um, it is personality wise, I, I kind of like um, things a little a little more faster. I could kind of see from doing some clerkships and things that the legal game was was pretty slow. Cases go on two and three, four years without a resolution. Um, but I still, you know, that was a goal I set for myself. So I, I, of course, wanted to finish law school. And of course, from there, I wanted to get that, um, you know, finish getting my paperwork. Um, and, and I did practice for two or three years. But ultimately, I decided I wanted to go into the business world and, and um, start a small business. Yeah, and so, I, and I definitely want to talk to you about your current uh, business as well. But I want before I do that, I just want to touch on your your uh, the few years you practiced law. Uh, so you worked in the attorney general's office for the state of Mississippi at, at one point for a few years. Uh, talk to me about that experience. Uh, it was a great experience, um, just kind of coming out of a academic setting. Um, that was my first, I would say, professional career uh, working at the AG's office, um, it really taught me, you know, it kind of brought in a career sense um, how to use time management, you know, which I had learned from playing football and balancing academics. Um, I had to manage about a 30 to 40 case uh, caseload at the time, worked with other investigators um, that were in the Medicaid fraud control unit and vulnerable adult unit, uh, which is the statute that I worked under. Um, so it was a great professional experience, just kind of being able to uh, manage that and, um, you know, be productive, uh, working multiple cases uh, fresh out of law school. Right. So talk to me about the decision to transition from law to opening your own insurance agency and then tell us about your insurance agency as well. OK. So while I was uh, at the attorney general's office, I had started, uh, you know, fixing up houses and selling them for, uh, you know, real estate investment. And the more I did that, the more I kind of, you know, start scratching that entrepreneurial itch. And, um, you know, I kind of felt like I wanted to do this main, uh, that, that full time as opposed to uh, practicing law full time. So uh, that was kind of like my first taste of being an entrepreneur was uh, flipping real estate. And from there, um, I took opportunity to, uh, signed with a national uh, insurance carrier 
as a as a captive agent. Um, and I had, you know, very, very good success with that um, my first few years. And, um, you know, from there, just just continue to, to, to find challenges for myself. And so what's the uh, what's the name of your agency and what type of uh, insurance products do you uh, provide? Uh, Michael Blaine Insurance Agency. Um, at that time, I was with uh, State Farm Insurance and uh, I provided property and casualty, which is auto, fire, home. Uh, we did banking products, uh, mortgages, car loans. Uh, initially, we did uh, security. So I had my Series 6 and 63. So I just kind of ran the whole gamut of professional licensure with uh, insurance produ producer licenses um, and the securities licenses and banking li licenses. So I feel like that kind of gave me a a good uh, foundation for, you know, business after State Farm, um, just being able to to kind of have knowledge base of all those areas and uh, all those different compliance and regulations and things like that. Uh, I, I wasn't as intimidated to embark upon a business um, as an independent owner. So uh, tell me about your decision to transition uh, and, or, or go into the restoration uh, business and you can tell us the name of your company and, and about the services you provide there as well. Okay. So uh, the latter part of my tenure as an insurance agent, I had started doing insurance adjusting, of course, uh, doing some travel to uh, other areas that were uh, hit by disasters. Um, and, and that really kind of brought everything I was doing full circle. Um, not only could I see the, the product sales side, the marketing side, I got to see the back end of that where that contract was ultimately fulfilled with the policyholder and, you know, and how those uh, homeowners were made whole with their claims. Um, so it was something that, you know, was a new skill set for me. It definitely was a learning curve. It probably took a couple of years before I really feel like I got good at it. But once I got good, um, I had a manager uh, for one of the companies I worked for that, you know, really kind of recognizing me some talent and set me down and um, basically showed me how an estimate should look, um, you know, from a technical aspect. And once I got that, I just kind of continued to grow and thrive. And um, it was, I say in 2021, there was a, a ice storm in Houston where I went out to and, um, of course, there was a lot of water damage. Most of the claims I'd done from there had been wind claims. So that was when I really got to see up close and personal the restoration industry. And, um, you know, it didn't look as complicated as, as I would have thought. Um, so from there, I, I, I said I was going to go ahead and get my certifications because knowing how to do the estimates as an adjuster, I really felt like I had a strong uh, leg in the race as far as um, the, the harder technical side of, of doing uh, restoration work was, you know, of course, being able to get estimates over to the insurance carriers, get them approved, and then from there kind of come up with a game plan to get the home homeowners uh, property damage uh, fixed. So tell me, uh, because you have had a successful business career and then also, you you know, you also uh, have been a successful uh, attorney as well. How do you feel that your time at uh, Hampton and Howard helped prepare you for where you are today? I would say just um, kind of being in, in those environments around different types of people, um, 
knowing how to work with different types of customers um, and just, you know, I have a very competitive group of friends. We all kind of push ourselves uh, professionally and um, just, you know, wanted to be the best at what I do, uh, wanted to learn everything I can um, to basically get the best product and service to the customer. Um, so I think all the different skills that I've learned from being an insurance agent, from being an adjuster, um, it's kind of like recently I've I've had the opportunity to start getting what they call program work, which is uh, when the carrier, the insurance carrier or a third party administrator sends you claims. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, those are that's work that you don't necessarily have to market for and things like that. But what I've noticed is, um, you know, just having the skill set of, of knowing the insurance policy in and out, uh, knowing how to do the estimate the way an adjuster would do an estimate, uh, just br really bringing those skill sets all together and then having the con construction knowledge um, has really benefited me. And I think that's kind of like one of the things I've learned from being at HBCUs is, you know, really taking what what resources, what skills you have, uh, putting them together. You, you may not, I, I didn't have the largest amount of capital, um, the largest credit line started very, very meager, um, but just basically being able to take what you got and build something with it. That's, so, that's kind of the mentality I, I got. So tell me, uh, if, if we have a young person watching, and I'll give you an opportunity to plug both of your HBCUs, uh, okay. why should someone consider going to Hampton or why should they consider going to Howard uh, to, to further their educational uh, path? I think either one would be great choices. It just depends on what you want. Um, Hampton is a, a, a university that's kind of in a smaller town. Of course, it's grown a lot since I've been there. Uh, it's waterfront, just beautiful campus. Uh, it sits at the mouth of the uh, Chesapeake. So that, that's really what I fell in love with there. So it's kind of like a, a smaller campus, smaller town environment. Um, and DC, you know, Howard, it's just a, it's a totally different vibe and experience. You know, it's, it's Washington, DC. So every time I go there, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, it's an energy rush, just, just being in DC. Um, so Howard, you know, it definitely, I wasn't on the main campus uh, for law school, but definitely um, I feel like Howard is, is of equal, equal standing with, with Hampton. Um, so it just kind of like pick your poison type thing. Yeah. If you want the small, small environment, I would say Hampton. If you want to be in a larger metro area, I think uh, Howard is a great choice. But uh, academically, um, both schools are very strong. Both have a very strong uh, network of uh, alumni and, and the professional uh, corporate environment. So I don't think you can really go wrong with either one. Hey, one of the things I want to do uh, before we close the show out is just to get your take on the importance of uh, graduates of HBCUs giving back to the institution to provide more, better access to uh, resources. Uh, I definitely think that's important. Um, like I said, me, myself and some friends that, that, that I went to Hampton with, uh, we all pledged uh, a decent amount recently. Uh, they had a... Uh, opportunity to uh, pledge an amount to get your name on these glass panes that's in the new student union. And we took advantage of that, but it really felt good 
um, knowing that you're kind of putting putting your money back in the bucket for the future generations that come through Hampton to continue to make uh, Hampton, um, you know, a thriving university that's, you know, financially set to be able to prepare the next generations. And I think everybody should do that with their undergraduate and uh, graduate universities that, that they attended as HBCUs um, because, you know, they did do so much for us. And uh, we do need to make sure that there's that next crop of talented individuals coming out of those universities that can, of course, give back as well. So uh, I really feel good about going to HBCU and I want others to have that experience as well. Well, I think you summed it up, summed it up very well. Uh, it is critically important that, uh, and even, you know, for example, I did not graduate from HBCU. I attended an HBCU for one year. But at that time, I always tell people I didn't understand the significance of HBCUs uh, when I was younger. And so now that I do, I, I make it a, a, a corporate uh, mission for us to support and give back to HBCUs. And so as we get ready to close the show out, Michael, I want to, number one, thank you for being on the show uh, with me today and, and taking time out your busy schedule to share your story and your journey. And I want to take a moment to present you with the uh, HBCU Lifetime Achievement Award oh, wow. for your continued uh, commitment to historically black colleges and universities and for all the success you have had in your professional uh, career. And we'll be getting that in the mail to you. So I really appreciate it. And to my viewers, yes, I want to thank, thank you so much. You're, you're, you're very thank welcome you for having me. Yeah, you're very um, welcome. It's been an honor to, to be here and just talk a little bit about my um, experiences at, at HBCU. No problem. Um, so I'm glad. Again, glad to I, I want to plug my universities, Hampton University and Howard University as uh, two that I feel like everyone should should have on their short list. Absolutely. And so to my viewers, I want to thank you for watching this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.